Welcome to This Never Happened, the podcast. Every episode, I, Tim Stevens, present to the board of what exists some flotsam of entertainment for the elimination from the timeline. Be it album, TV show, movie, or book, I will not hesitate to fight for a better pop culture landscape. I will not stop until the truly terrible and the awfully benign are referred to with the simple sentence, This Never Happened. Aiding and abetting my quest is the engineer, Skip Serpico, of course, all of you. Thanks for coming. Enjoy the trial. All right, well, it's a new week which means Stevens must have something new to present to the uh, board. That's correct, sir. Uh, thank you for being here today. You're welcome. Let's, let's move on with it. Yes, yes. I know we're waiting on the holiday, and I, I do apologize for that. Uh, I have brought a doozy of a case before you today, though, that I think will be well worth your time, and I think all of the board will agree. Well, we look forward to hearing what you are going to present, so proceed. Today I'd like to present the Left Behind film. Ah, the Left Behind film. I vaguely, vaguely recall that, um, which seems to be that, that it's ripe for the uh, expunging. Well, I do hope that I am able to persuade you on that fact. Uh, as I mentioned, this is a large case, so I recommend to the board that they uh, they get comfortable. This is going to take a little while. Okay, well, let's try to, you know, be as quick as possible. Let's, let's get on with it. All right, then. Well, to begin with, it's important to understand that Left Behind is an adaptation of a book series of the same name. It's a 16-part series of novels written by Tim LaHaye, and Jerry B. Jenkins that began being published in 1995. Left Behind was also the title of the first book as well as the overall umbrella title of the series as a whole. The series reflects an eschatological or end times theological bend. These tend to focus heavily on an interpretation of the book of Revelation as a non-metaphorical book and includes the rise of the Antichrist, times of terrible trial, and the return of Jesus Christ to judge all souls is not necessarily wed to New Earth theology, but both often co-occur and are typically embraced by more evangelical as opposed to mainline Christians. Additionally, the Left Behind series focuses on the rapture, an event in which the most worthy, the true believers, if you will, are ushered into heaven before the trials begin. This is typically conceptualized as an almost instantaneous departure off this plane of existence literally disappearing before the eyes of the not-so-lucky. The rapture as a concept is hardly a universally bought-into event, even amongst evangelical Christians. The more historical definition of rapture simply refers to a final resurrection, the one that would coincide with the ending of all life on Earth. It is only by a more recent definition that we are given a vision of the rapture that precedes the ceasing of life. For this reason, it's often referred to in scholarly writings as preliminary rapture or the preliminary return of Christ. It's an interpretation largely without reference until the 18th century, 
and one did that, that did not really take hold in the United States, or anywhere else for that matter, until the post-war era, where it really makes a splash in the 1970s. This means the Christian church that preceded the sectarianism of faith, Catholics, Anglicans, Episcopalians, Lutherans, uh, and most other mainline Protestants, as well as practitioners of Greek and Roman Orthodoxy and Calvinists do not teach or believe in this definition of the rapture. Let me just jump in here and say I'm going to give you a little more latitude, but I'm going to need for you to get back on track uh, pretty quick. I appreciate the warning, sir. I, I do hope that you will see the relevance as I continue um, and that you give me the time to make my case. Well, we've got nothing but time, I guess. All right. Well, as I was saying, this definition of the rapture is a literal have and have-nots casting the end times in which there are those who get it easy and the rest get what they deserve, whatever anguish they may have to endure. In other words, it leaves the less than perfect behind to receive years of torment before Jesus returns to possibly, maybe, allow them into heaven. You know, like Jesus always said. Although the gospel of wealth pushed by pastors like the terrifyingly unblinking, all-smiling Joel Osteen is not part and parcel of this interpretation of Christianity, they do share an interpretation of the world in which there are two groups. The in-group, that is owed and thus gets all the goodies, and the out-group who suffers for not buying into exactly what the in-group is selling. In any case, to get back to Left Behind, for those in Left Behind, they are essentially left to live in a world not altogether different than the one from the Stephen King's The Stand, uh, with God cast as Captain Trips. The man in black is the Antichrist, and the old woman is not present, I guess? I confess there just doesn't seem to be anyone cast in that role. In any case, a lot of the paranoia about one world government, universal ID cards, social security numbers, the UN, a national ID system, barcodes on packaging, and so on and such of come from this as they are viewed as tools of the Antichrist, and to agree to them is to in essence reject God and thus not receive the benefits of the rapture. So in 2000, this delightful view of the way the world is going to end was adapted the first book in the series, and initially given a straight-to-video release, featuring a budget consistent with that, and of course boasting the star, born-again celeb, and evolutionary skeptic Kirk Cameron. It eventually was released in theaters as well, in a bid to double-dip from the people that bought it on DVD or in video, and eventually made enough money to just exceed its budget. Now, if the view of the rapture is not noxious enough, allow me to present specific crimes that I think the board will agree are reason enough to expunge it from the record. All right, we're, we're all ears. Right, to begin with, charge one is that the adaptation doesn't put much effort in and shows at times outright contempt for the audience. For instance, someone connected to the film once insisted that the presence of a few camels would be enough to sell a quarry in Canada as Israel, because obviously camels and a hole in the ground is really all there is to the Holy Land these days. Which brings us to Kurt Cameron. Look, I'm sure he's a nice enough guy. 
I don't necessarily understand a man who makes his living as an actor while refusing to ever not be wearing his wedding ring or engaging any signs of love with a co-star while still starring in movies which he has co-stars who are identified as his wife in that film. But if the people who are making the movies are fine with it, so be it. My problem here, and the problem I think the board will agree with, lie in three areas. First, there's the whole anti-science thing. I know the whole thing is based on the idea that evolution is quote-unquote only a theory. This is a very popular argument, but it's an argument that depends on an insistence on ignoring the scientific definition of a theory as opposed to the colloquial one. Yes, theory in day-to-day life means the same thing as hypothesis. An educated guess, an idea of what might happen or might happen based on a small sample size of past events and intuition. However, in science, a theory is a hypothesis backed up by repeated tests yielding data that proves the hypothesis. It is true that a theory is not a law, but that's only because a law means, in scientific terms, something that is never wrong. The third law of motion, for instance, is always right. Force upon an object will always produce an equal and opposite reaction. Evolution is not like that, and thus it cannot be a law. Some species, when faced with struggle, do not evolve. They die, or they move to a different location, or the struggle changes before they become extinct or evolve. This, however, does not mean the theory is untrue, simply that it is not always the predicted outcome. For instance, if there was a theory of Tim Stevens loving chocolate and peanut butter, it would state that I love to eat chocolate and peanut butter. However, it could not be a law because I am not always eating chocolate and peanut butter. The theory still stands. I still love it. But it's not a law, because eating it will not be the outcome every time I'm hungry. Long story short, or shorter anyways, the theory of evolution is not a hypothesis. It's real and it's proven. There's no controversy to teach. There's only self-serving denialism. Just knock off the banana nonsense, okay? And don't even get me started on the age of the planet. Two. As an outspoken, invisible Christian, he's making a mess of things for the rest of us. Here's the thing. As the board knows, I go to church. I'm what people refer to as a practicing Christian. I've been baptized, I've done the First Communion, and I've been confirmed. I was married in a church. My children are or will be baptized at some point. But in almost no way is my faith anything like Cameron's. In the same way that not all Muslims are terrorists, Not all people of Jewish faith are Hasidic, and not all the atheists go on the internet and tell women they don't get to say anything about jokes that might or might not be sexist. Yeah, dig that time they reference. Not all Christians have a problem with evolution, with believing the earth is millions of years old, with sex out of wedlock, with sex purely for pleasure, with birth control, with same-sex relationships, or with blood transfusions. In fact, most Christians in the United States and abroad have no problem with those things. There might be plenty for people who aren't Christian to still disagree with or think is silly or naive or whatever about my faith. Come on. Cameron does not equal Stevens or millions of other Americans. Third, and this one hits close to home. My sister had a crush on Kirk Cameron. A big one for a while. He owed it to her and all those other girls and boys who mooned over him grow up to be a really cool guy. Instead, he attacks science in YouTube clips. My sister trusted him with her prepubescent heart. 
have to go and embarrass her, Kurt. Why? <sighs> Moving on. We've touched upon theology already, and I've covered it pretty thoroughly by now, as I'm sure the board will agree. They'd probably like me to leave it be. But allow me just this last one. This is a film that turns Christianity, a faith based on hope and founded by a man who preached the love of all, not just those who share your beliefs, into an exercise in blood-soaked paranoia in, one, in which one actively cheers for the end of planet, the torture of our neighbors, and the wholesale destruction of mankind. Finally, there's this. Nicolas Cage is starring in a remake of this adaptation later this year. That's it. 2000 version of the film, you're done. Cage is here. In the same way one should have no god before god, there is no actor before Cage. Well, say Val Kilmer, because of course he is the greatest. Oh man, a left behind movie of Kilmer and Cage? That would be incredible! Anyway, that'll never happen. The point is, when Cage remakes your movie, guess what? We don't need your movie anymore. Unless your movie's in a different language. So like Wings of Desire. You're still cool. Any other movie though? Kiss of Death? Cage remade it. We don't need the old Kiss of Death anymore. Sorry. So just to be clear, uh, it's not because of kooky Kirk Cameron. It's not because of his portrayal of Christianity. It's because of Nick Cage? Don't misunderstand me here. All those things are important. But this is Nick Cage we're talking about. This is really important. He's Nick Cage. Does the board understand? Um, yeah, yeah, we, we understand. Um, you know, we, uh, it's been a long day. Um... We're, we're going to agree that this should be stricken from the record of existence um, because, you know, it's, it's a holiday weekend. I think you've made a wonderful and the correct choice, and humanity will thank you. Well, we, we look forward to that, and uh, we look forward to forgetting about Left Behind. Because Left Behind never happened. Exactly. Rain, rain on my face Hasn't stopped raining for days My world is a flood but Slowly I become one with the mud and now we look back in the archives. This week's comic selection is The Draco. Nightcrawler is a furry blue mutant who leaves behind the odor of sulfur, brimstone if you will, every time he teleports. He was nearly killed because his strange appearance and powers made people think he was a demon. The irony was he was no demon at all. In fact, he was a wildly faithful Catholic. You see, it was a meditation on how, if we only judge by appearance, 
we miss the truth of things. And then came the Draco. The Draco was an X-Men storyline featuring the writing of most of the most popular comic scribe of all time, Chuck Austin, and the ghastly scratchings of artist Philip Tan. It set out to disabuse fans of the notion that anything they knew about Kurt Wagner, that is, our favorite furry elf, was right. He was no mutant, you see. Well, he was. Sort of. But mostly he's a demon. Again, kind of. Alright. So... The thing is this. He was nearly killed for being a demon, but that was wrong, and the population was being discriminatory based on his appearance and abilities. Except now, it turns out they were right. Kind of. The thing is, the story of a demon who makes good is not an inherently bad plot. I mean, that's the whole drive of Hellboy. Demon makes good, fights on the side of humanity against the forces that would have assumed he'd be part of them, and Nazis, and triumphs for good. But that's not Nightcrawler's story. Nightcrawler's story is that he's a human being repeatedly cast out, threatened, and hated for his appearance, wrong, for what his appearance wrongly implies about him. If he's a demon, he can still be a good guy, but all those stories about how people are wrong and judging him purely on the way he looks are null and void. People were right about him. He's a demon. He just happens to be a decent demon. But the thing is, it's not even that cut and dry. See, the storyline further muddies the waters when Azazel, Nightcrawler's apparent parent, explains that he's been mistaken for all manner of demons for years, but really he's a mutant, hence his scary appearance. So Wagner's still just a mutant then, right? Well, that's not really it either, because Azazel really is a demon as well. Apparently there were demons who were angels, or there were mutants who were angels, and there were mutants who were demons millennium ago, and you know what? Just just forget it. Here's the thing. Austin lacked the conviction to just say Azazel was an outright demon in a Marvel universe that actually has demons, while still introducing it into the record. It changed nothing effectively about Nightcrawler except to completely unend the central theme of his character. The whole thing was half-assed and devastating at the same time. If you're not going to go all in, regardless of how poor a choice it might be, don't just deliver a glancing blow, sure to give the character a fat lip. Make it count or don't bother. Bad decisions are bad decisions, but there's something to be said for fully and wholly embracing them. The rest of the storyline is similarly, although not as thoroughly, ill-advised. There's bits about people falling in love in dreams, or mind projections or something about that. A little bit about Juggernaut going bad again, because he was good for a little while. Anyways, you don't need to worry about that either. All of this is underscored by Tan's art. Tan's art is largely not received well by critics, but even by his usual standards, this is some ugly, rushed-looking draft work. Framing is strange, flipping between excessive close-ups and unhelpful long-distance establishing shots. Bodies appear twisted and shaky, and not near as I can tell to deliver some sort of message about the environment or the people. 
So it was determined by the board, the Draco. This never happened because, wow, it's some pretty terrible stuff. The board would also like to recognize the contributions of James Hatton to the research and to the eventual elimination of this event. Thanks again. Show notes with links to information pertinent to this podcast are available at timstevensisungage.com. That's T-I-M-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-I-S-U-N-G-A-J-J-E, all as one word, dot com. Please also feel free to leave comments on this or other episodes there, or to make suggestions about what other pieces of pop culture you think are unworthy of existence. If you prefer to offer your comments and suggestions by email, you can send those missives to thisneverhappenedpod at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, mention it to everyone you know. Suggest they listen. Suggest it strongly. Suggest it in a way that makes it clear that this is more than just a suggestion. <laughs>